So yeah, finish up those last thoughts and uh, I'll read to us uh, a scripture that we've been focusing on already and just listen to these words. This is about Jesus. This starts me into the first point. These are the three keys which I think just give a little bit of an anchor. Sometimes you find in this conversation it's so gray area. You don't know where to land. And you think one thing, I think one thing, something. They're like, well, what do we stand on? There's always something to stand on, even when it's uncomfortable or unclear. There's always truth you can hang on to. And so that's what I'd like to give us, three thoughts that are just anchors in this particular conversation. But from Colossians 1, let's just start by celebrating the uniqueness and the beauty, the singularity of Jesus Christ. There is no one like him. There is nothing like him. There never will be. There never has been. He is alone. He is uh, Christ of all who will turn to him. He is one of a kind, unique, the supremacy of Christ. Let me read from Paul's letter to the church. Paul says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on, our, and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all of creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a minister. The thing that I find so helpful for myself in talking with people from other religions, we have a next door neighbor who moved in a few years back during the pandemic and it's a wonderful couple and uh, she's Muslim and he's Catholic. Her parents actually, one was Jewish, one was Muslim. So right in their family, they've got like every world religion represented and she is beautiful and their family is wonderful. And in the conversations, it's sort of like a give and a take. Like, oh, this is about your religion. Oh, this is what I practice. And I've taken this from my Jewish parent. I've taken this from a Muslim player. And all the thoughts are in the mix. And what I always find the urge to do is just try to find a moment where I can represent why Jesus is unique to all of those things. They say, oh yeah, that's a, cool, that's a cool way to celebrate or a good thing to do or a great way to fast or pray. I believe in fasting and prayer. But the thing I love most about Jesus is that there's no one who's ever been like him before. No one else forgives me for my sins. No one else has promised to forgive anyone for their sins. No one else has ever claimed to be God and died on a cross for the sins of the world. It's so unique. It's not represented anywhere else. So it's not apples to apples from one religion to another. It's apples to oranges. Christ is unique. And so I don't feel threatened in those conversations because there's nothing else that can compare to my Jesus. My Jesus has just done the one thing that only he could ever do that was only for him to do for all of creation. And he was there before, and he's there through, and he knew and knows all these people that will strive to find ways to reach God. Every world religion is man's attempt to reach God. You've probably heard this before. Only Christianity is God's reaching down to man fundamentally a different thing. So it's not threatening to sit in someone's service where they're reaching out for God. 
I just feel like I know him. And it's because of Jesus. Jesus is the connecting piece. He's the forgiver. I'm not worried that I'm going to lose my religion if I become good friends with Muslims and Buddhists or if I go to a temple because they can't offer something to forgive me for my sins. And I become so aware that I'm a sinful person needing to be saved by God that that's what I want more than anything. Not better approaches to prayer, not better concentration in meditation, not a helpful way to be a good person in the world. Those are only going to get me so far. And so because of that, Jesus is singular. So that should take away some of the like threatening nature of what happens if like they have better answers about religion than I do? Or what if they're better at their religion than I am at mine? I feel ashamed because they're way more faithful at practicing what they believe. Jesus. The beautiful old church Sunday school answer. Jesus. He's singular. He's unique. And so if you can find a way in any of these conversations to think about what Jesus would bring to that conversation that can't be represented anywhere else, you're bringing something helpful. You're not demeaning. You can celebrate as many wonderful things as are in these and still recognize there's only one who can save. It's a different category of thing. So that's one thing. Keep that in mind in these conversations. Uh, The second one is the solidarity of the gospel. We're just all the same. We're just all people. People are people are people. And so all people struggle with sin. So because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that I'm a better person. I'm just a person. Someone being in different religion doesn't make them a worse person than just a person. And maybe if I had been born in their family or their country or their time or their circumstances, that would have made sense to me. But if at some point in my life or their life, they recognize they need the forgiver, then there's only one place to go for that. And that's what Jesus offers. So there's ability to just love people as brothers and sisters. You know, you know the... the the, the, the brotherhood of mankind kind of thing. This is beautiful. This is important. All our children of God, whether they want to love God back or not, whether they hate their father who made them or whether they love their father and run into his arms, still the father. And so knowing that sin is a universal problem makes me feel like we're all in the same boat and people are trying different approaches to resolve it. But again, I don't think we can resolve it. It's got to God It's got to be God coming down to resolve it for us. That's grace. And so sin is universal. Grace is universal. None of us deserve to be saved. None of us earned it. None of us are worth it. None of us, yeah, deserve it. It's undeserved favor. It's the definition of grace. So therefore, I didn't deserve to be saved by God, and neither does this person of another religion deserve to be saved by God. But we're just people. It's a universal story, even if you were born in different eras in history, even if you were born in different countries, even if you have striven, strove, striven, striving, to find God, I I almost applaud that. It's a pursuit of something spiritual. Oh, let's get back to what matters. Let's get back to what Jesus said he is, was, always will. It's just singular, right? So the solidarity, this is good. We should love people because we're the same, the same exact as them. And then the third one, a mission is to share God's love. Uh, I was talking about this with uh, my daughter Eloise this past week and saying something. She said, what's going on for a Sunday? What are you talking about? And I talked about this one, a professor, and uh, how um, sometimes people tried to befriend people from other religions just to convert them. And she thought that was a very interesting concept. She said, well, I have friends at school that believe in God, but not many of them go to the church, not many of them believe in Jesus. I said, well, that's very common, actually. Some sort of belief in God is a worldwide thing. It's probably the most common approach. And so then she said, well, then should I not try to convince them to believe in Jesus? Are we not trying to convert? And it brought me back to think about love. And I I thought, 
if you're talking with your friends about religion, I would just say share with them what you love about God and what you love about Jesus. Because it's a gospel of love. And if you don't have any good news to share, if there's nothing that's important or special to you, then why would they want to have any part of that? But if you say to a friend who believes in a sort of a God, but doesn't know anything about Jesus, well, I love Jesus because he forgives me. I love him because he was a man. He was just like us. I love him because he gives me insight into God. Well, then they might say, that's something maybe I could love. So instead of trying to convert, you're trying to share. And isn't that what we see in the New Testament? Share the gospel which is good news. So share why you love God. It's such a simple thing. But if you start there, it can lead to conversations. Some will want nothing to do with that conversation. So be it. Some will be intrigued. Some will wish they were loved. And then you have an opportunity to love someone. It's a mission of love. So basically try to love as many people as you can with God's love before you die. That's a great way to evangelize. It's not based on conversion. Did I win? Did I get them? Did I get them on my side? It's not sides. We're all people. We all struggle with sin and we're all reaching out. It's only God's grace. So as people among other people, can we love them because God loved us? It's a gospel of love. And it's not our love. We're not better. God's just shown us something good about himself through his son. The sacrificial love of a Jesus on the cross. So these things to me provide anchors. They provide something to hold on when everything else is swishing around. Um, but it doesn't have to become clear cut for us. There can be different approaches in this room here. The Bible talks a lot about uh, the matter of conscience. Um, talking specifically about food sacrifice to idols and interaction with temples and people who believe differently. And the advice in the New Testament to the earliest Christians was some of you based on your conscience, may be fine walking into a temple and eating the meat that was sacrificed there is fine because you recognize that God made the cow and cow is delicious and uh, Jesus is bigger than anything so you have no fear. Others may say, I don't want to be identified with that. I, d I don't want to be associated with this because that's not what I believe and I believe this and so some abstain. Awesome. Let the Holy Spirit guide you to where to step forward, where to step back, but don't hide and don't play defense. Because if we're supposed to be sharing the gospel, the people who need it are, by definition, in other religions currently. And if we hide, they will never feel loved by God and will never see him through us to join this family of love that he's building, which is made up of all different sorts of people, but we're all the same. So you have to reach out. How you do, where you do, let it be something that you're comfortable with. Let it be something the Holy Spirit leads you into. Maybe you need to go into a Buddhist temple. Maybe you don't. Maybe you need to talk to your next door neighbor. Maybe you don't. But take the opportunities that God gives you because it is our mission. You're supposed to share God's love as much as you can before you go and enter into his love and glory wholeheartedly, fully for eternity. That's our hope, and uh, I hope we won't shy away from the harder conversations just because they're uncomfortable. So there are some anchors for us. It is our privilege and honor and joy to celebrate and worship what we do believe. After talking about so many things, we're not sure what we believe. This is the thing. This is our real anchor, believing that only one person was God in human form, Jesus Christ. And Christ isn't his last name. It's Jesus the Christ. Christ means the Messiah. This is the anointed one, the called one, the son of God, the deliverer. He saves us from our sins. So for everyone here, I'll ask the music team to come forward. We're going to celebrate uh, communion together in just a moment.
for everyone here that says, Jesus, you're my way, you're my truth, you're my life, because I know you forgive me and nothing else can. I recognize my sin and I want that grace even though I can't earn it. Thank you for it. Then celebrate this with us. This is the exact opposite of going into a Buddhist temple and not knowing what prayer you can pray in good conscience. You can pray this whole prayer in good conscience. You can sell this is your worship. This is our worship and it's communion together as a body. I look around, we're such different people here. Perfect. Same God, same faith, same baptism, same God who is Father of all.